0: You're listening to City Limits on three C R, eight fifty five AM and that was Battles with Africastle. The time is nine oh seven. How you doing I know, this so morning, Kev? I'm Corey. This is Kev.
1: I'm doing all right, I think. Let me think of that. Yes, I'm doing all right, in the, in the light of the way the state of the world, I suppose we're doing reasonably <laughs> well. And it's the, it's the third Wednesday of the month, it means it's a housing day. And, and Shane McGrath from the Housing with Aged Action Group is coming in today. He's the rental type officer. I can't think of his actual title, but he'll tell us. And we'll,
0: I'm sure he knows.
1: He'll probably have some idea, and we'll ask him um, what his role is, etc., and talk some general housing issues <laughs> later in the program. Uh, but I, I thought we'd only have one guest today, Corey, because there's so much stuff catching up to catch up on in the last few weeks. I thought we might do a bit of catching up on some of the stuff that's been happening. But yes. just one I thought I, I'd worth mentioning uh, in passing as, a, as an opening foray into this. Um, Bloke won the Nobel Prize of, of Economics last week. He, he um,
0: Okay, I just he, want to interrupt that. Yeah. Given that. Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize. Does this mean that this guy has, like, tanked an economy or something?
1: Well, yes, I think that means... No, he's he's worked on the poor, which is very good of him. Uh, But don't forget... Sorry, go go on with this. Well, there's a few people. A few people won the Nobel Peace Prize whom you might question. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, Angus Deaton uh, is his name. He's a Princeton economist in America um, and he um, 's going to get the one point three million in his kick because his main writings in eco- economic study have been into the poor and why the poor are poor um, he 's done nothing about it, but he knows why they 're poor and he says foreign aid no use whatever it doesn 't help the poor at all it just pours into a few pockets but one of his, one of his great studies was he he figured that people who who were malnourished, mm-hmm. therefore being malnourished meant they, they couldn't get work because they were malnourished. They couldn't find work, and therefore not finding work made them poor. But he did a study. You're going to find this, stu- you're going to find this stunning to work this one out. His mm-hmm. studies showed that it's the reverse, in fact, that being poor leads to malnutrition. Now, who would have worked that one out? Wow. They couldn't afford food.
0: No wonder he got a prize. Yeah, $1.3 for that one. He must have been on a full stomach when he came up with that one well, that day.
1: Let's hope with the $1.3 he can get a few calories into his body.
0: Wow. So there you are. There wow. you are. Yep. I really want one of those $1.3 for pointing out the obvious prizes. Well, I gonna, could point out heaps of obvious things. Yeah,
1: I we, I said that in the week that was. I might have a crack, crack, crack it at it myself next year because we reckon we, we know more the poor are poor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I intimately know why the poor are poor.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to pour, speaking of pour, a uh, tea. Uh, a tea. Very good. I very good. Um, I think I'm going to do
0: a PhD in water running downhill.
1: Yeah, you could watch the tea. You could start with the tea in the studio.
0: Mm. Mm. It,
1: it goes from the pot down into the cup. Yes. Yes, there we are. We've got new cups here. It's um, got rid of the other ones. Oh
0: yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: Uh, anyway, that's that's a, that's again a by the by. On on a pretty ordinary note, given the bloke was here in Perth last week, last night, the bloke the, the right wing bloke from Austria. Volders were his name. Is that his name? Volders where his name. Whatever his name is. Um, Geert, isn't it? Well, Geert. yeah, Geert. Geert, 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 whatever. I don't know. We're just making Uh, random animalistic noises into the microphone. We are. We are. But but on on that note, the Swiss election this week, the anti-immigration Swiss People's Party won the biggest share of the vote. Good. Um, Yeah. And it... um, it's the largest number for any Swiss party in at least a century. They've got 65 of the 200 lower house seats, and that's really worrying, isn't it, that they they vote for an anti-immigration party, overwhelmingly.
0: Well, I have been told repeatedly um, throughout my political life that when there's economic recession, people can either go the way of the communists yes. or go the way of the fascists. Left or right, The right. Yes. yes. So um, I think we're seeing that... I, I think we're seeing both of those things, you know. We've got... Um, the uh, what's 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 that English bloke?
1: Yeah, him. You know the English bloke. Yes, bloke, yes, the po- yes, yes. yes. Oh, I- we try to forget their names, don't we? As part of people, but we don't you know who you mean. Yeah, we've
0: got the new Canadian <laughs> prime minister. We've got Greece yeah, voting left.
1: Trudeau. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So people are voting left, and then they're also voting really, really right as well.
1: Although one of true. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I thought you meant the right wing English bloke. You mean? um Corbin.
0: yeah, Corbyn, oh, Jeremy
1: Corbin. Sorry, Corbin. Yeah, we do we do remember his name. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you might remember his name,
1: <laughs> but uh, you yeah, not include me in that. Although, given the, I keep pointing out that, and I hope he, um, you know, he's going to cop he's going to cop so much flak, particularly from the Murdoch media, you know, yeah, in
0: yeah,
1: um, you know, he's going to get headlines that are going to be stunning, you know, the absolute crap, but stunning, you know, and anti. So he's got to get through that. But also, given that Cyrus are only a year or so ago won the Greek election on on promises and then, you know, reversed their promises completely, even had a referendum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there was some encouragement. I think people always had some suspicion of them. But nonetheless, I, I hope Corbyn holds much firmer than that.
0: Mm, definitely. And in Greece, another place where Golden Dawn, that, that yeah, pan-European yeah. Nazi party, is gaining more yep. votes. And so now that yeah. the left have, you know, catastroph- catastrophically failed in Greece, you know, it probably helped them. The, the, the Golden Dawn vote. Yeah,
1: well, it could well. I mean, given that although the people did vote left in a sense. And I think voting for Syriza again shows they they want something to happen. But obviously it's very confused over there at the moment because that, that was a strange vote in many ways, given they'd sold out and they got re-elected again. Mm, mm. Uh, but of course, the left selling out like that gives more impetus, to your right, for the people to go to the right to seek an answer, and that's that's where the real worry occurs, of course. Mm. So the left really has to has to provide an alternative in those crises we're talking about, where people can go left or right. There has to be a left to go to.
0: Yes, and uh, yeah, something beyond parliamentary action. Yes,
1: yes, to absolutely.
0: actual action.
1: Mm. And the right, unfortunately, does organise in those times as we're seeing, and. Uh, there was a. I, I never watch it. They, uh, now I am getting diverted, but but there were Channel Seven advertised because I happen to see this because they have the races on Channel Seven. You so I saw the the promo for their. Sunday. Sorry, did
0: you see the racists or the racists?
1: Uh, R A C E S, the horses. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. Um, okay. So, and and there was a promo for this seven o'clock thing on Sunday night, which I would never watch in a fit. You know those mm. those Channel Nine, Channel Seven, so called current affairs programs. You don't go anywhere near. Mm-hmm. But. They advertised they were doing a expose on um, on um, the right wing in Australia, the recent marches, the church, the United, March, Patriot, United Front. Patriot, et cetera. Yeah, yes. and um, and so I did watch it, but mm. it, it, it didn't shed much light, unfortunately. Um,
0: Apparently, they managed to miss out the fact that they were neo Nazis. Yes, they
1: didn't show one swastika or mention the word neo Nazi or fascist at any point.
0: I mean, these guys, last time I was in Bendigo, were actively quoting Hitler. You think that would make A good story.
1: You'd think so, but no, 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 no. And it it tended to show that both sides have rights. And they interviewed three people who got into it um, through concern about where Australia is going, but they were ordinary sort of housewife, one of them, and one was something else, and a bloke who was just a worker somewhere, and you know all that sort of stuff. So they were sort of ordinary Australians, mm. ordinary Australians. It was they,
0: definitely a promo for the UPF.
1: Yeah, there was no, there were, you know, they, they, there was no in depth interview with a, with a, an open Nazi, for instance. Mm. Um, so that was or
0: anyone um, who opposed them. So
1: that's probably the one only time when I watch that program. That's it, taken care of that. Um, now, the, the another one that um, I think worth mentioning um, in the last couple of weeks with the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, mm-hmm. it is running into a lot of trouble. Um, is it? And it's not here. I mean, in America, there's there's mass. That's where it might get knocked off. Uh, um, I thought rep- they'd
0: already signed it. Well, I thought it was done. Yeah,
1: but it's got to get passed by the Congress, and it's got to get passed uh, by Parliament here as well, actually. But the it, enabling
0: but, legislation. Yeah,
1: but the, pa- the passing here will be a formality. Yes. Uh, Labor might make a few noises in the background, but then carry it. But in America, the Republicans, and, and Hillary Clinton's come out against it last week. Now, two years ago, when, three years ago, when she visited Australia as Secretary of State... She said it was the gold standard of trade agreements, but she's obviously now realizes it's fool's gold and it's, it's tarnished very badly. Mm. Uh, and she said, I, I have said from the very beginning that we had to have a trade agreement that would create good American jobs, raise wages and advance our national security. And I still believe that is the high bar we have to meet. I don't believe it's going to meet the high bar I have set. And as I mentioned on the week that was, and we know how high she sets the bar, look at the bloke she married. Um, but anyway... With um, um,
0: good American jobs, she means Chinese sweatshops, doesn't she? Presumably. Run by American companies. Um,
1: presumably. Yeah. And she said pharmaceutical companies may have gotten more benefits, etc. cetera. Um, it's a telltale... Um, and this bloke from uh, the Cato Institute in Washington, Director of Trade Policy Studies... Uh, I think summed her up pretty well. He said, it's a bit of a telltale. The wind is blowing in a certain <laughs> direction and she's fairly adept at monitoring sentiment and changing tack. And but that's I thought, good.
0: I mean, that shows that political action can occasionally influence leaders.
1: Yes. Yes, well, it can. And, and in fact, there was a full feature article by a bloke called Richard Katz from the his um, editor of the Oriental Economist Report, Um, And um, it was in a publication from the Crawford School of Public Policy at ANU. Um, And um, he points out that uh, it's going to have real trouble getting through in America. And some of the classic quotes from it are, um, one bloke's upset because the US pharmaceutical industry did not win its demand for adherence to its standards of 12 years of data exclusivity, etc. Another bloke... um, Another bloke from uh, Kentucky, where they grow tobacco, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. He says the um, he's the poster child for this process is a series of suits by Philip Morris. That we know about those, but mm. for some countries, removing tobacco because tobacco has been included from the ISDS, That's that where they can sue governments. Uh, but he says. Exempting tobacco would be a deal killer for him, and it says so. He he's going to oppose it on the ground that tobacco has been attacked. Um, So it's uh, not
0: right wing enough for some people. No,
1: there's a lots of quotes here from Republicans in particular who uh, are clearly going to oppose it, and there's a lot of Democrats, particularly with Hillary coming out that way. So it's got a good chance of being knocked off. And Peter Martin, the economic—that's amazing that it's
0: too right wing for people. Yes, and that's going to be its downfall. I mean, yeah. sorry, it's not right-wing no, no, enough it's not for right people. Enough.
1: That's right, yeah, that's right, yeah. That's yeah,
0: that's yeah. amazing. The, wow, the right uh, shooting yeah, themselves in the yeah. foot. I love it.
1: Yeah, and um, next
0: they should shoot themselves in the neck. Sorry, I didn't say that. Go on.
1: Yeah, um, well, you did though. You said it. I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> you did say it. All right. The Age economics editor Peter Martin. He, he had a full page um, thing about it last week he says the productivity commission is is itching to model it but the gov- the government which puts union stuff etc before the productivity commission to show you have to cut wages and slash penalty rates etc won't send it to it because it knows the productivity commission would probably tear it to shreds in economic terms he points. He points out that one case, in America, they've done a study that shows there'll be over over ten years, point something percent. It's ten years. The U.S. economy will be point four percent bigger it isn't a boost in economic growth of 0.4% a year which would be would be substantial it's a total boost of 0.4 after a decade brought about by a barely perceptible lift in economic growth and he comes back to say some countries do much better japan boosts its income by 2% according to the model malaysia by 5.6 Vietnam by 105 but Australia fares much the same as the US. Our economic boost after 10 years is 0.5%. Our manufacturing and mining industries shrink as a result of the deal. Agriculture and service industries grow. The net effect isn't big, so why do it? And he goes on in that sort of vein. So uh, sounds we, I mean, good if
0: the mining sector also. Yeah.
1: So we know all about it, but it, it's good also to see the Age coming out with a full-page feature saying it's, it's, you know, just it doesn't, it's no benefit whatever. So there's a strong chance, hopefully, hopefully, that it will get knocked off. Well, there
0: you go, some good news. That's the, that's a one-up for this yeah, show.
1: In the American Congress of all places. So there you are.
0: Oh, did- yeah. Does that pause indicate that you want to go no, first on? No,
1: not – oh, yes, you do. I, I, one other, there's one other matter I do only really wanted to discuss today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can – okay, we'll go to it. Um, the last couple of days, the um, – well, I've mentioned in the last few weeks this concept of unsolicited tenders that go mm-hmm. to government where companies and the, um, the plan for the road and the tunnels in the western suburbs to so-called relieve, we've mentioned before, by Transurban was an unsolicited tender that is put to government – and now they're running this whole development and, and discussion, etc. cetera. Mm. Uh, the Barangaroo Casino development, as we mentioned many times now on this show, in Sydney was one where Packer put it up and uh, the government accepted it, and it's going slap bang on where the public open space was going to be, so now they've got to try and fund somewhere for public open space. And it, since the first proposal, it just keeps expanding, so what was going to be public transport on Club is now going to be a car on Club. Mm-hmm. Um But this week... Pick up the Herald Sun on Monday, the big exclusive, 1.5 billion crown jewel. And again, good old James Packer comes up. Big headlines, 4,000 new jobs, 90-storey tower, landmark to reshape our city. And the whole paper, there's three or f- several pages of it, but this proposal for the what's called the Tower of Light. Now, a 90-storey building going up on the edge of the Yarra somewhere I would have thought it would take a lot of light away wouldn't it? I mean, why would it be a tower of light unless you light unless you have these massive lights that use lots of fossil fuel to keep uh,
0: mm, keeps to, the neighbors to, away
1: yeah. Yeah. anyway like- it 's a development of his casino it 's this massive hotel you know commercial complex mm-hmm. uh, way up in the air, and they want to have a bridge though that links it to um, links it to the casino complex which they own down the road and um there's they there's, want the
0: government to fund that yeah, bridge
1: there's well there's a suggestion that uh, that there might be some opposition to the bridge but the bloke from the company says it is not feasible in this age of competitive global luxury travel to ask six-star hotel guests to dodge the traffic and wet weather just to visit another facility in the resort this yes. discreet this discreet yet attractive link is a necessity for a six-star six star hotel to succeed. We actually think this is going to be highly photographed and a very cool thing. People will want to go and check it out, uh, this bridge over the road, over Queensbridge Road. And um, the Paul Baker from the uh, architecture company that designed it said the tower would be an outstanding addition to the world's most livable city. We approached this project with the ambition to create an elegant and timeless building that will become a new world-class landmark, etc. And the partner in the project with um, him, Tony Schiavello, said the key site deserved a special building that had international appeal, timeless form and design. And this word timeless is interesting because the next day they said... They needed this because, even though Crown is now twenty or so years old mm-hmm. it's it's becoming a bit old fashioned, so was it meant to be timeless when they built it? I wonder or not,
0: um, not i don't know sure well i'm I support the bridge because, as one of the filthy grovelling poor, i don't want to be reminded of of my own station in life by having rich people walk on the streets next to me.
1: No, I suppose it. But how often do you walk around Queen's, uh, around the Crown Casino? I only went around it once, and that was with three days of protest many years ago. Nearest have ever been to the joint. Yeah, right. Oh, pardon, I've gone past in the tram a couple of times.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's, that was that. Now, that's page after page on that day, plus an editorial same day mm-hmm. um, telling us as he shuffles the papers City's new landmark plan, and the Herald Sun praises it to the high. Mm-hmm. A constructed lead injection would help rejuvenate the Victorian economy and Crown. But like we've seen with Maya, walkways, etc., can can do this, etc., etc. Um, now this is the bit I like. They just in two sentences. Crowd, of course, has its critics, and the social impacts of problem gambling continue to be rightly debated. But Victoria, debated, debated. But Victoria has been. This is the debate now. But Victoria has benefited greatly from its investments in this state. Legal, highly regulated, and if approached responsibly, gaming provides enjoyment, tourism, public revenue, and thousands of jobs for. the the city, um, and the gut. Gov- now, the government didn't even know about this. The Herald Sun front page was the first the government had any idea this was even proposed. Uh, they do say that because they're putting new in the last few weeks. In fact, they're putting new height guidelines for the city, etc. Hmm, what this, a coincidence! This exceeds them by a hell of a lot. Oh, right. But they say, but given the building scale, it would likely be considered a project of state significance. See, James puts it up, so it's state significance. Testing the Andrews administration's economic credentials. So if they knock it back, that means their economic credentials are low, obviously. Mm, yeah, and the conclusion, yeah. this is a surprising conclusion from the Herald Sun, it would be a welcome addition to Melbourne.
0: There now, you go. Now, well, but, after all that revolting uh,
1: Yeah, we'll come play a song and we'll come quotations. back. I'll, I'll talk I'll talk more about that because there's more to come yet. Yeah, don't worry, that's not the end of it. <laughs>
0: All right, um, you're listening to City Limits on 3CR, 8.55am. This is Milkwood with people, cars, trucks and trees. You're listening, now you're listening. Now you're listening to 3CR, City Limits, 8.55am. The time is 926 and that was Milkwood with people, cars, trucks and trees. Now what more revolting trash do you have from the mainstream media that you want to well, inflict just, upon our listeners? I just
1: wanted to mention that following that Monday where they announced the whole thing and the government didn't know till then, mm-hmm. uh, the government has now come out praising it and saying it sounds pretty good by the way, that's good <laughs> isn't it? Uh, but also yesterday Did there they was have a, um, yeah.
0: time to actually look at the proposal? Oh,
1: Probably not, but yesterday there was a full page, big ad from Crown Resorts, what this wonderful thing going to do for Melbourne, the jobs it's going to create, the people it's going to train it's going to be wonderful another full page article by john massinuscus who's the herald sun's uh, city editor um praising it to the hilt um the only slight reservation about the whole thing was quoted by um by um ruxton the um michael ruxton who's the um Professor of Environment Planning at RMIT, and he suggests that it would actually um, create problems like wind and shading effects, and he says... um He says, the search for bigger and higher and larger towers isn't leading Melbourne anywhere but into a series of major problems. When marketed, these big towers use Melbourne's amenity and cash in on it for their own benefit, but then they go about trashing it. So the more of these are built, the less of the high amenity that we enjoy remains, etc. Now, John says he's got a point, but (laughs) in this case, he's wrong. The vision may need some tweaking, but it has the potential to transform an already vibrant precinct into something more exciting for the benefit of all Victorians and away they go now what I found interesting though was that the same day the Herald Sun letters and you assume therefore you know, they must have got flooded with them most of them were opposed um, One, Caroline writes, I'm all for development, but amazed how quickly the government was to laud this bid. Well, it didn't see it before. Anyway, given it stopped the guys who who wanted to redevelop the Windsor in their tracks, of course, this development won't ruin the Polly's leafy views. (laughs) In the meantime, the grand old Windsor crumbles away. Someone else wrote, but this one I like, have to make sure the white-collar crimson drug syndicates have somewhere to spend their lauded money on some more overpriced accommodation, Um, Another one says a vote of confidence for Crown's piggy bank and the rich and elite. Thank God for this. I was worried we wouldn't have enough apartments in that area. The traffic on City Road and Queensbridge Street is so light it can easily handle hundreds more apartments. Switched <laughs> by Mary, who I suspect was had her tongue in her cheek.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, Melbourne was a beautiful, gracious city with a whole lot of old world charm. All this concrete and glass is awful. And there's several letters of that, milk, so they just go on and on. But it's, yeah. I found that a bit surprising, I must admit, that the people came out so highly against it. Hmm. So there you are, and this is uh, this is with the minister telling us how he's going to control high rise in the city and all that sort of stuff, and overshadowing. In fact, um, another building was knocked back because it's going to overshadow the Yarra. But I can't see how a building of that height, where it's going to be, would not overshadow uh, uh, somewhere along the line.
0: Maybe they're going to move the position mm. of the sun.
1: That's what they could do. They could. Yes, mm. I only used a bad word. Then they could do something to the sun. Yes, that's right. Mm. Yes, yes. Good point. Good mm. point. Yes. Yes. Um, another one, just, well, I don't know if Sean's here yet, we'll check in a minute, but, um, uh, just before he, we get Sean in to talk about, uh, uh housing, uh, a bloke who used to be in charge of the, um, the, uh, statistics body here in Australia last week came out and said, look, the way that they've changed, the way that we count unemployment, it's totally unreliable. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and now there's a few people saying maybe we need to do something about it. But what? they he's come out and has, you know it's the ex head of the department and said, look, this government has stuffed it up big time, and um, and we can't rely on the figures we're getting at all. They just
0: I didn't think they were ever reliable because wasn't it um, based on people who were actively looking for work as opposed to people who. Didn't have a job, so it didn't include people who'd no,
1: who just didn't given try. up yeah, or, yeah.
0: you know, gone back to school because they couldn't get a job or yeah. become, you know, full-time parents because they couldn't get a job. And, or... of
1: course, the you know, the fact that one hour a week you need to be employed, I mean, that's just yeah. ridiculous.
0: I mean, they're ridiculous statistics already. Uh, you know, I would actually be interested in the actual unemployment rate, if anybody could uh, could count that, but I guess it's too political to tell the truth about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But <laughs> <laughs> please, <laughs> please don't expect. <laughs> um, this is one, again, I found interesting. Um several businesses have been told to clean up their act after metals and chemicals were found running into a Melbourne creek. That's the great. Environment Protection Authority, the old EPA, which just, you know, does goes out of its way to help the community, mm. carried out tests on Morty Alley Creek in Moorabbin and found elevated levels of zinc, copper and chromium, which were having an impact on wildlife. Well, that's last point, probably unnecessary. After inspecting 30 businesses along the creek, and this is the bit I like, the EPA issued warning notices to Three businesses which would be fined if they failed to improve their wastewater controls and chemical storage. Why not find them in the first place? Why not find them now for for doing all that damage? All
0: right, Shane McGrath's here.
1: Is he? Well, yeah, let, he is. Let's let him in. All right, uh, we'll take a break then. Okay, and get Shane in.
0: Yep, this is um, a song called Freedom, and it features Chaotic Pro vocals, Underdweller, and Teela K. You're listening to City Limits. On 3CR 8.55am, that was Freedom oh, yeah. featuring Chaotic Provocals, Underdweller and Tealick. Hey, you! How are you and, going?
1: And today we've got Shane McGraw in the studio, who's from Housing for the Aged Action Group. They come in on the third Wednesday every month and... Um Give us, we have a chance to discuss about housing issues and cheer people up no end. Yes. Um, Shane, um, well, your, your role there is rental officer. What, what's it actually called? What's your uh,
2: title called? My, my job title is uh, the tenancy worker. Tenancy um, worker. So m- most of the uh, work that people at HAG do is in rehousing people, um, older Victorians who are having trouble in private rental for whatever reason. Um, my job isn't to rehouse people, but to, to help them with the problems they're having with their landlords. So often that means. You know, people come to us because they've got a notice to vacate. Uh, my job is to stop them getting evicted until we can rehouse them. Or they've got problems with repair or, you know, the landlord won't
1: do this or the landlord always does this or, mm. you know, whatever it is. You uh, wouldn't you wouldn't be kept very busy, would you, with landlords these days? No, you? they're, they're such a nice bunch of yeah, folks yeah. and yeah. real estate
2: agents. Are <laughs> fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So every day you actually deal with the scum of the earth.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty convinced that real estate agents are actually the worst people in in Victoria, at least, uh, maybe not in the world, but certainly in the states. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was talking to a woman who came in yesterday, for like to give you an example, and uh, she's just taken over it, just started a lease uh, at a new place, and it's a furnished apartment, and the the furnishings are all pretty run down, but the the bed actually has springs poking up out of it, like the Ow. the bed is so broken that mm. the springs coming out. So it's and...
0: worse than a bare floor.
2: <laughs> I think you'd say that, yeah. And uh, so she said to the agent, "You know, come on, can you, you know the bed as as springs popping about it?" The yeah, agent says, oh, we could probably get a mattress cover for you." Mm.
0: Mm.
1: Well, that, that that would help a lot. Yeah, it would <laughs> <laughs> be a great comfort <laughs> pro- to her. They probably see her as the mattress cover. Yeah, I think
2: that's right. Wow. And I mean, it seems like you know she's not the first person to rent this place. You know, somebody else before mm. her was probably also sleeping on this this yeah. mattress and complaining
1: to the agent without any any results. And of course. People, uh, you're dealing with people who haven't got much income, I assume. So it's the old problem of, of re- you know, I, often I, you wonder how people on, particularly on social welfare incomes, mm. can survive in the private housing market. Yeah, I mean, overwhelmingly that's true. Almost all our
2: clients are on uh, some sort of Centrelink benefit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's at best it's barely sustainable for someone on a pension. But you know, we also see a lot of people who are on new start, and because our clients are older people, we're talking about people who are experiencing really severe age discrimination and trying to get back into the workforce. And it's just crushing to see them you know, being you know, compelled into these ridiculous job search activities. We know that you know, there's a structural problem with age mm. discrimination. They are not going to be able to find find work and they're trying to survive on Newstart payments. I don't know how anyone can, can manage that uh, in the, <laughs> the rental market at the moment.
0: And they have to sit through these insulting things that are like, you should wash before a job interview.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my own drug search training. It was not, it was not helpful. The, the average rent these days is more than even, I think, what the weekly pension would be, isn't it? I uh, well, uh, you know, presume these people aren't living in average rents. They're probably living in something way below it just in order to survive. But it's, uh, uh, it's a real worry. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about the exact figures. The, uh, I mean,
2: it, it varies around the state as well, obviously, depending on where you are. Often now, uh, more affordable housing is located where there's really poor services, really poor public transport. So, you know, people find a place that they can afford, but then they can't get out of it. They can't go to the shops, you know, mm. or they're, they're spending all that money instead on taxis or something like that. Mm. Uh, there's just all kinds of ways for the, the housing market to isolate people and impoverish them.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of, I mean, pensions probably don't even have this, but a lot of, particularly families, forced into those situations, they're forced to have a car of some sort just for Mm -hmm. mobility Mm -hmm. but usually the car they've got is an old car which pollutes more heavily Mm -hmm. but you can't say they can't have it because without it they're totally isolated
2: yeah i mean that that relates to something else that you see a lot in you know like the the worst end of the rental market is uh, old appliances that are incredibly inefficient. So you take this, this rundown house because you can't afford to pay more rent, but then your utilities bills are sky high because you've got this t- you know, terrible 1970 electric heater that you know, barely pumps, a, mm-hmm. pumps any heat out. And then you know, we talk to people all the time who are, just, who are saying, you know, oh, we just don't run the heater during winter because we can't afford it. So uh, you run it in summer. Oh, <laughs> well, you don't run the air conditioner in summer. Yeah. The uh,
0: heater yeah. works better in summer.
2: Yeah, I've heard that. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, well um Background one of OSB the pouring tea by the way. One <laughs> of the problems also with older people is that not all of them can drive for, you know, various health reasons. So yeah. they need to be near public transport.
2: Yeah, and I mean that can also be a problem for accessing services, so you know, there's tenant, advocate, tenant advocacy services across the state. The tenants union is the best known. Um, but generally, you have to get to the service to, to access it. So, one thing that's different mm. that I really appreciate about HAG is if people aren't, aren't able to come to our office in the city, we can go out and, and see them
1: you mm, know, where
0: they're good. comfortable. Mm, definitely.
1: Yeah, and, and as you say about where affordable housing is, I mean, we've got, we often quote examples of where the government's got property in, in areas where it ought to be developing public housing and affordable housing. Well, public housing, we talk yeah. about, because it is, you know, there's places in Footscray recently where state property's been developed by private developers right mm. near the railway station, yeah. which should have been public housing. Uh, and a good example at the moment is Fisherman's Bend, which was in the Murdoch, in the. Um, the media yesterday and the age yesterday, a big article about it as well. But a couple of weeks ago, this developer, Bill McNee and his investment partners, they've flogged off a, a, um, a piece of land they bought in Fisherman's Bend in this new so-called wonderful development. Um, they bought it for um, $10.1 million in September 2013. Billion? And it, t- $10.1 million million, in yes. September in um, mm. September 2013. And they've just flogged it without doing anything to it, whatever, other than getting some sort of permit for $60 million. So in two years, they've made $50 million on a $10 million investment without doing anything.
2: Yeah, something similar um, happened in New South Wales not long ago. You know, government housing was sold to, to private developers who immediately flipped it for a massive profit.
1: Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And that, that that could well have been public housing. With Absolutely. Atlantis. Mm.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. So how is it that the rich can get away with um, being paid to do really obvious PhDs and <laughs> and and flipping land <laughs> uh, and still get paid, and then you know the poor are told that they're scumbags for for not working?
1: Shane, I think I think we'll oh, try, <laughs> I think we'll take that as rhetorical. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if that's what working is, you know, get me in on it. <laughs>
1: Well, we just t- we were talking earlier about the bloke who won the Nobel Prize for Economics this year. Oh, yeah. uh, and his he's, he, he's research is into why poor are poor, um, mm-hmm. which he isn't himself, by the way, just in case <laughs> you're worried. Uh, he's just got 1.3 million extra out of this one as well. But, right. he, but one of his studies was he believed that people, uh, because they were malnourished, they couldn't get work and therefore that made them poor. Mm-hmm. But after studying it, he realised that actually they're poor because... They're, they're, they're malnourished. malnourished because they are poor. They, yeah. uh, they, they actually get... The poverty makes them malnourished, not malnourished it makes them poor. Isn't that surprising?
2: I mean, it's incredible the things that, that just aren't on the radar of people who do research and policy and things like that. I always remember uh, when I first started working at HAG, I've rented all my life, basically. Um, I, I've never owned my own home or anything like that. When mm-hmm. I first started working at HAG, I went along to a, a research publication launch And the guy launching it was a a senior bureaucrat in the DHS, then the DHS. And, uh, you know, often you'll start out a speech with like a funny anecdote. So he told his funny anecdote. Mm. And it was, you know, just recently he'd been to a a housewarming party. And uh, at one point he kind of pulled the host aside and was like, so how much did you pay for this place? And the host said, I didn't buy it. We're renting and that was the anecdote. It was—he oh. was, thought it was hilarious that renters would have housewarmings as if they thought of this as their actual home. But oh. like that's how disconnected from the reality of, of actual life for normal people. Some of the bureaucrats, and this is you know quite a progressive guy. Uh, you know, just how disconnected do you have to be <laughs> Look, to, to think that. Let me know when you know he's next stand-up comedian. To <laughs> yeah, I'll,
1: I'll get down to it.
0: Um, Shane, yeah. what do you think of the tiny houses movement?
2: Uh, I can't say that I've given it a lot of thought.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Mm.
2: The uh I don't know. I mean, I don't think that tiny housing is really a great option for for older people. Mm. Um I I'm not yeah, but I'm not really familiar enough with it to say too much about it. Oh,
0: yeah, fair enough.
2: Do you want to
1: could you could you explain having asked the question what you're talking about?
0: <laughs> um so there's this movement um where people who who are the age of me and Shane who, you know, can basically never afford mm. to get into the property market. Um, are, are building very small houses, and they they're sort of deluxe. They have everything you need, but they're they're tiny and they're cheap. And um, that is the tiny houses movement. And some people are arguing that it's um, environmentally positive, and some people are saying, you know, why can't we afford normal sized houses?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd be definitely interested to like learn more about that because, like I say, I really don't know about it. But I mm. think in terms of really dealing with housing with housing affordability across the board. What we need is a mass movement to push for more public housing because that's the only thing that, that really is going to turn things around. Mm. People shouldn't have to be, you know, I'm sure these people don't feel like they're being reduced, but that's the word I would use. People shouldn't be reduced to building quote unquote tiny houses because they can't otherwise access, you know, security of tenure and things that should be a basic right of everyone in our society.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do you find that landlords. Do you want to go on with that issue, by the way? No, no. 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 The, the, do you find that landlords. Are not Well, landlords and more particularly estate agents try to get around the law if they can, if they think people aren't aware of the law, tenants aren't aware of the law, that they, they try to obfuscate it or move around it in some way?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things. Agents will often say things that surely they know are, are not legally true. Mm. Um, you know, the, the most common and the most classic is when someone breaks the lease, the agent will almost always tell them they have to keep paying rent till there's a new tenant. Legally, mm. that's not true. No. Really? Just to just to be clear, this isn't legal advice. Uh, if you are in that situation, get some legal advice rather than you know relying on what the guy on three. No, that's legal
1: advice. We that's three that's CR legal advice. That's it.
2: But there's there's no obligation to keep paying rent. Agents tell you that hundred percent of the time because they want the rent to keep coming in. I'm not saying you won't be liable for any costs, but you certainly don't, and in most cases shouldn't just keep paying the rent outright. Um, Good to know. The uh, landlords. I mean, one of the one of the things that takes up the most of my time. Is uh, landlords who don't have real estate agents So just a private landlord Probably only owns one place Or maybe a few um, But but deals with the tenant themselves They can have absolutely no idea about the law They can just yeah. contrive such complicated situations By not really knowing what's going on That
1: it can be quite extraordinary sometimes Yeah, well, The 60 days notice for rent increase for instance Do, mm-hmm. they, do they try to abuse that a fair bit? Uh, I I mean, I'd say... Giving people, say, a month's notice. Now, next month, your rent's going to go up without giving them the proper notice.
2: Again, I'd say that happens fairly often with uh, landlords who aren't represented by real estate agents. But estate agents, you know, as bad as they are, they have some some reasonable standards of professionalism and knowledge. So they're more likely to, to do the right thing. Not because you know, they want to do the right thing, but because they don't want the tenant coming back to them
1: later and getting some of that money back. Mm. Mm. Well, I had a, just, I'm going to tell a story for a bit here, but uh, uh, they, this ho- totally naive bloke at Alexander in... Fitzroy, mm. when I was renting up there some years ago in yeah. North Fitzroy. And uh, they sent me, they always come around, once, they come around once a year to do an inspection, which meant they wouldn't fix anything you mentioned, but they'd put the rent out <laughs> <Yeah. up> immediately. <laughs> and I got notice of rent you know, going up next month. And so I just kept paying the old rent mm-hmm. and they kept sending me nasty notes and you know, I'm getting further behind. And eventually they threatened with me with eviction because I yeah. was getting further behind. And eventually the bloke who was their rental bloke or whatever, rang me and said, look, this is serious. I said, no, no, I'm waiting for the notice. <laughs> and then he said, what do you mean? He said, I said, well, you only gave me 30 days notice. You've got to give me 60. So he looked up his letter. He said, oh, we have made him." It's like he said, I'll send you that letter now and we'll start paying. And I said, no, 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 no. You'll send me the letter now and give, in 60 days I'll start paying. <laughs> and, and, and what an idiot. you know what he said? He said, oh, you know the law. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, like you say,
2: if your rents, you know, people tell me about, oh, the rent was two days late or the rent was $3 down, and, and, you know, immediately you get notice from the agent, they're constantly on you. I had one client, and this was like one of the most extraordinary situations that I've dealt with. Uh, she was 90 years old when she came to us, and she just moved out of a place that she'd lived for six years. And it wasn't until she moved out that she found out the whole time she was living there, she was paying slightly too much rent every month. They never, There was never any notice, hey, you've given us too much money, do you want to take back? By the time she moved out, she'd overpaid by $5,500. A wow. 90-year-old pensioner, they'd taken $5,500 oh, told her. us that story, I yeah. think.
1: And did it get rectified? It did get
2: rectified. They eventually paid, paid up, but not without a, a pretty substantial fight.
0: Yeah. I had my landlord come around the other day demanding rent, and like the the roof is broken. (laughs) I was just like, this is a bit audacious, isn't it? Rent or what? you know? I mean, we have walls, so I guess we should pay three quarters of the rent, but
1: yeah, (laughs) I I
0: refuse to pay for the roof. Anyway, anyway.
1: That's, of course, that does raise a major problem, repairs and things. I mean, it's is it? Uh, we know it is, but is, it must be extremely difficult at times when people are living in awful conditions and there's those sort of problems to get the landlord to, and and also there's the other problem in that that people are often afraid to raise. No, that's it. what I was about to say.
2: Um, mm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's two sided. You know the. You guys probably know the government's recent, the state government's recently initiated a review of the Residential Tenancies Act. And one of the questions they're looking at is, why don't tenants exercise their rights more? Because we know that 90% of applications to the residential tenancies list at VCAT are mm. by landlords. Less than 10% of them are by tenants. Mm. You know, why mm. is that? Well, there's a, you know, there's a whole range of reasons. One of the main ones is exactly what you said. People are scared that you know if they try and assert their rights, they'll either get evicted. Uh, they can be evicted for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Uh, or they'll get a rent increase. Uh, that they won't be able to afford, and that'll evict, you know, effectively evict them anyway. Um, so, you know, those, those are massive barriers to people trying to enforce those rights. But then on the other hand, there's just the the kind of structural inadequacy of VCAT as a, as a way to get repairs done or as a, a, a form of redress for tenants. So I, I like to give this example, right? If you're a landlord, uh, the most common application that landlords make to the tribunal is for a possession order, which is basically an eviction, If if the landlord succeeds in that application, the tribunal says to the tenant, you've got to be out by this date, and if you're not, the police will remove you from the property. One of the most... We don't have statistics on what's the most common applications that tenants make, but repairs must be up there. Mm. If you're a tenant, you make an application for repairs and you're successful, the tribunal says, yep, landlord's got to do it by this date. But the police don't come and force him to do the repairs if he doesn't do them by that date. Mm. If he doesn't do them by that date, you've got the option to write to the tribunal and ask them to have another hearing. Go back for your second hearing, they ask the landlord why he didn't do it and he's got some sort of excuse or, you know, apology or whatever. So they give him a new date that he's got to do it by. Mm. You know, if it goes back two or three times, then the tribunal might award some compensation against him. But it's, it's just such an extraordinary amount of work that a tenant has to do. Uh, you know, even when the, tr- the landlord is blatantly breaching the tribunal's order, the tribunal is just so generous in more and more extensions.
0: And meanwhile, the toilet doesn't flush.
2: Yeah, the... The, the uh, you know, or you don't
1: have a roof, or whatever <laughs> it is, or the hole in the kitchen floor you keep falling through, or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on that one, oh, oh, just gonna, on that point about VCAT, given there's now charges for going there, do, do, do tenants have to pay anything to take a case to VCAT?
2: Uh, well, the application fee for the residential tenancies list, I think, is fifty five dollars forty, but that's waived for anyone with a healthcare card or a concession. Really? Um, so uh, no, almost all of our clients get a fee
1: waiver. Yeah, I mean, it, just bit of history, when VCAT began, or well, what was originally called something else, it was, I can't think of what it was called now, but it was a, just a planning tribunal. But it was designed to be a body where people in some dispute over properties... You know, neighbours or whatever, or even you know, developers and, and people, could go there at a no cost basis and sort out the problem. Yeah. Um, and then along came the QCs. You suddenly had you suddenly had silk specialising in planning law, yeah. etc. And of course, it became incredibly expensive. And uh, now they've even put, as I say, put these charges on, so you've got to actually pay to even go there in the first place. But it was originally meant to be a no cost re- resolution body. To uh, to solve all these problems.
2: Yeah, I mean by the standards of you know legal institutions or whatever, I think fifty five dollars is considered quite cheap. But mm. uh, you know still, it can easily be out of yeah. for
1: someone on a low income. But even that's what if you're if you're low income and you haven't got a haven't got a healthcare card, fifty five can be a fair bit of money. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I mean, even five dollars is a fair bit of money when you're on the dole. Yeah. Like, you know, you're just fairly scraping three fifty five dollars is almost impossible.
2: Yeah. I mean the uh, the other thing with that is that uh, a year or two back the uh the former Liberal state government uh changed the VCAT Act yeah, the VCAT Act, uh where previously, especially in the, the RT list, which is the only one I really have experience of, there was a presumption written into the law that you would bear your own costs. So whoever applied paid the application fee and that was it. You know, not mm-hmm. not like in, you know, the Supreme Court or whatever, where if you win and the other guy has to pay all of your legal costs anyway. So the Liberal Party changed that, a li- previous Liberal government so that there's a presumption that if you lose at VCAT, uh, you'll have to pay the application fee of the other party. Uh, so if you're a tenant and you want to challenge a notice to vacate, you know, you may need to do that. You may have perfectly valid reasons, but still not succeed. Uh, then, then you'll also be hit up for the $55.60 or whatever it is that your landlord's paid to evict you. So mm. tribunal already funded by the interest on tenants' bonds, mm. tenants are now also paying the cost of the orders to evict them.
0: Um, Also, would they be paying the legal fees, like on top of that?
2: Not the legal fees. It's restricted to particular kinds of costs. So it Mm -hmm. can be, normally it's just the application fee, but it can also be the warrant fee in some situations, which is the fee that the landlord pays to actually have the sheriff come and remove you, which I think is, I'm not sure exactly, it's a a bit over $100. It's
0: like the um, Yieldy debtor's prison that they used to have
1: it does seem to work one way, doesn't it? It does it's seem. It's strange, that, in capitalist law. But anyway, um, just another item in the last couple of weeks I just wanted to raise with you. There was a small item that said senior support groups want financial service providers to do more to protect older people from being ripped off. Five to 10% of older Australians suffer financial abuse a Financial Services council symposium, heard. Data from Victoria showed financial abuse was the most prevalent issue raised on seniors' helplines, and it goes on. Mm. Do you strike much of that? Uh yeah, actually. I mean, before I worked at HAG, I really didn't know anything about elder abuse. Um
2: and it, it was really a steep learning curve and and quite uh devastating really to learn about. Um a lot of our clients are experiencing some form of elder abuse. Um often that's from their family members, from their children in particular. Uh, you know, and often it, it's basically children who feel entitled to to their whatever money, whatever income, whatever mm. assets their parents have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, it's really depressing. I mean, if anyone listening to this is in that situation, Seniors Rights Victoria is a really fantastic service that helps that that gives specialist advice about elder abuse. Um, I, I strongly encourage you to to check, give them a call if if you or someone you know might be in that situation.
1: Yeah, a law report episode on Radio National one day, one night last year mm-hmm. looked at this subject specifically and how, and now there's very points and often often people sell their house and then give it to the to the to children and yeah, then the they children put it throw it as, them out in the street or they'll put it up as collateral for their kids business yeah, and then the, there's you. no
2: support for them when that goes belly yeah. up
1: yeah
0: oh that was grim shall we say <laughs> well, goodbye
1: well we just cheer people up no end as usual <laughs> it's uh, city limits Shane um, anything else about your job you wanted to say that we haven't covered at this point or? oh we'll
2: just uh, I'll give out a contact number if that's alright yeah. yeah, so please. if you're an okay old hang
1: on I've got to have a vote on this one oh, alright uh, I'll just uh, <laughs> step out of the room <laughs> okay the wait two one you one alright
2: Uh, If you are Victorian over 55 and you've got a problem with your landlord that you'd like to talk about, uh, give us a call on 9654-7389. Okay. Repeat that number again. 9654-7389 or the website is oldertenants.org.au.
1: Okay. And it's, well, Shane McGrath, but uh, all sorts of people there can help anyway. Yeah, that's right.
0: So that was Shane McGrath from Housing for the Aged Action Group. Um, Thanks for coming on the show. You're listening to City Limits. Time is 9.57, which means we have to leave soon. Yes, yeah,
1: so next week, um, I hope she still remembers, we've got uh, Kate Shaw from Melbourne Uni Planning, um, who was a, began in planning as an activist on the ground herself, mm. um, coming in to discuss some general planning issues about Melbourne. So but it's the fourth Wednesday, so we're going to have that sort of discussion about... Uh, about Melbourne and planning, which might we might even look at the Packers' latest development again. Mm,
0: fisherman, definitely. Sounds like fun. Fisherman,
1: <laughs> fisherman's Bend, maybe. Okay, thanks, Shay.
0: Alright, this is um, Kev Carmody with Eulogy for a Black Person. Uh-huh. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia, on the Kulin Nation. For more information and to find out how you can support 3CR, go to www3 three crorgau